Hello, everyone. Just to let you know, we'll start the presentation in about one minute. We're just waiting for people to get in and uh, get settled. So let you know, we'll start the presentation in about 30 seconds. We're still waiting for everyone to kind of get in and get settled. Hello, everyone, and welcome to today's Safety and Health Magazine webcast. Big ambitions, complex data, and limited visibility. How EHS and ESG professionals are dealing with today's evolving challenges. Sponsored by Intellex. This is Alan Ferguson, Associate Editor with Safety and Health, and I'll be moderating today's event. First, thank you so much for joining us. And before we get started, I need to cover a few preliminary items. As a disclaimer, the views of today's speakers and organizations are their own and do not necessarily reflect those in the National Safety Council or Safety and Health Magazine. Any mention of a commercial enterprise product or publication does not mean the Council of the Magazine endorses those items. After today's presentation, we'll conduct a question and answer session with our speaker. If you have a question, click the Q&A button at the bottom of the screen, type your question and press the send button. We welcome your questions at any time during today's event. You don't have to wait for the Q&A to begin. We might not get to every question, but the good news is unanswered questions will be forwarded to today's sponsor. Also, after this presentation, you'll be asked to complete a brief evaluation survey, and I'll tell you more about that a little bit later. Just to let you know, this webcast will be archived, so you can access it after today's live event to view this webcast and all of our past webcasts. Please visit safetyandhealthmagazine.com events, or you may receive a link in a post-event email. With that, let's introduce our speakers. With us today are Scott Gaddis, John Doney, and Fern Beauchamp. Scott is Vice President and Global Practice Leader for Safety and Health at Intellex. He leads integration of the EHS Q Alliance and thought leadership in building partnerships with key clients and other top influencers in EHS. Scott is responsible for the engagement of EHS professionals across the globe to provide a platform for sharing information and collectively driving solutions that mitigate workplace loss. In addition, he works internally with the sales and marketing teams to further increase EHS capability and knowledge that support Intellect's customers. John is Vice President of Workplace Strategy at the National Safety Council. In that role, he oversees the Campbell Institute, SAFER, the Work to Zero Initiative, and the MSD Solutions Lab. He also leads a variety of other research and impact initiatives, including programs related to psychological safety, ESG, and sustainability. John is a frequent speaker at conferences in North America, Europe, and Asia on topics such as the future of work, emerging trends in EHS and S, management systems, and leadership, and leading indicators. Byrne is a man research manager for Vance and Bourne. In that role, she's responsible for delivering research projects, managing the process from question de questionnaire design to data analysis and delivery. <laughs> Fern is a bachelor's degree in psychology and a master's in positive psychology and coaching psychology. Scott, whenever you're ready, go ahead and take it away. 
Thank you so much, Alan. And it is great to be here. I, I have been looking forward to this particular webinar for quite a while. I'm actually on vacation and I wanted to, uh, to be a part of the webinar. So, uh, so thanks for attending. Uh, I'm really excited because of the research that, that we've been, uh, been doing over the last, oh gosh, uh, several months. Uh, and to give you a little bit of background on that, Intellects uh, earlier this year commissioned independent research from a, uh, from a company, as Alan said, called Vanson Bourne to understand where safety and health and EAS, ESG markets, where, where they're going, what they're doing. Uh, I, I looked at it as a practitioner, what, what challenges do practitioners and ESG and EHS professionals face? I think it's an important question to understand how professionals um, saw their businesses or their organizations. I think one of the things that as I look at annual reports and uh, uh, communications from companies and then talk to a practitioner. Uh, often those are two different messages that I hear. So I think it's really important uh, for all of us on the call today to understand that from, from colleagues, right? From peers across uh, a lot of verticals, a lot of, of uh, different type of organizations. And then how professionals believe technology will play into the work strategies, which as a technology company, it was really important for us to understand. Really what we wanted to know uh, as a technology company was about five things. We, we really asked ourselves uh, to get ahead of challenges that we thought that you would have. You know, as a technology company, it's really important for us as we set strategy, as we look at over the next decade, selfishly, we want to know uh, some of the challenges that, uh, that you're having or you anticipate having. I think what happened, and maybe the reason for this webinar, is we came away with so much more that we thought that it was worth sharing. So, uh, so as you look at, at some of these things that we'll talk about today, where are organizations seeing success you know, when it comes to EHS and ESG? That's a, a couple of important questions to, uh, to understand. You know, where are organizations focusing their efforts? You know, that's a, an important part for what we do. And then what challenges uh, are you having that you're wrestling with? Uh, some of the information I think you're gonna be really, really surprised about. I I've been doing this for a long, long time. I started over 30 years ago, worked for some great blue chip companies. But when I looked at the data that Fern will, will explain just in a bit, you're gonna understand that some of those challenges that I had 30 years ago are still very prevalent you know, in the organizations today. So that was kind of a surprise to me, but they're fairly difficult challenges to overcome. Uh, understanding how mature organizations are when it comes to EHS and, and ESGs, uh, a better understanding of how businesses are expanding their EHS and their ESG focus. And finally, where are organizations focusing their efforts? So I'm hoping that we'll, uh, we'll be able to accomplish that today. You know, what did we do? I kind of think about this as more of a how how did we do this? We decided to focus our research on the maturity of EHS and ESG, and specifically, and, and I will say that our focus was uh, really looking at, at the US and Canada, and, but we did a similar research actually in EMEA. So we, we went into EMEA late last year, did basically the very same thing with 10 countries. Uh, so we've got a lot of data 
Uh, Fern's going to explain these 450 respondents in North America, but she could probably go on to explain 700 more uh, that, that we will not have time to talk about today. But we've got a lot of data and we'll continue to expand that uh, over the, uh, the next months to help you understand it. We asked 25 questions uh, and split across EHS, EHS uh, health and safety and ESG, as well as we wanted to understand a little bit more about data management and, and worker relationships. We surveyed organizations, uh, really uh, big organizations, some smaller you know, organizations, but more than 250 in, in 18 key industries, oil and gas, chemicals, food service, manufacturing, uh, you name it, they were probably a part of our study because we really did want a very broad stroke when it came to what the challenges are that, that you were facing. And then finally created a, a long form report uh, as well as a maturity assessment tool for both North America and EMEA. And you'll have uh, uh, at the end of this, a, a link to get some of that information for yourself to study. So uh, I'm not gonna say a lot more right now. So I'm just gonna turn it over to Fern, which is gonna have the bulk of the, uh, of the presentation. So Fern, take it away. Thanks so much, Scott. Um, and hello, everyone. Thank you so much for inviting me along today. So um, my name is Fern Beauchamp. Uh, I'm, an, I'm a research manager for Vance and Bourne, uh, as always, already has been uh, shared. So just to give you a bit of a quick overview, I guess, about who Vance and Bourne are. So we're an independent technology B2B market research specialist. And we've been in operation for, I think, a little over 20 years now. So I'm really, really pleased to be here to talk you through some research that we conducted with Intellex, who, um, when they approached us, were really keen to explore and better understand the health and safety and ESG landscape in North America. So as Scott mentioned, from understanding organizations' current priorities through to technology use within this area, decision-maker experience of health and safety-related incidents, um, right through to the challenges that are experienced within health and safety and ESG, and, and I guess all the wider implications of all of that as well. So before I dive in, should we move on to the move on to the next slide if you can, Scott? Cheers, thank you. Um, before I dive into all of that really exciting data and research findings, um, I'll just re re retell you. I guess Scott, has, uh, Scott did a, such a brilliant job before, but I'll just re uh, retell you very quickly about who we interviewed. So um, we went out to our trusted panels and interviewed 450 health and safety ESG decision makers. So this meant they were from functions such as environment, um, sustainability, HR, health and safety. And these were from the US and Canada uh, in June this year. So we had 300 uh, from the US and 150 from Canada. And uh, they came from mid-market and enterprise organizations uh, with over $250 million in global annual revenue and from a range of public and private sectors, as Scott mentioned before. So um, for context, as Scott mentioned, we, we did do this as a bit of a, a follow-on piece of research. Oh, oops, sorry, just go back. Well, we're not quite there yet. <laughs> Thank you. Um, this was a bit of a follow-on piece of research that um, was previously conducted with Intellects uh, in Europe. So we had 720 um, health and safety and ESG decision makers uh, that were interviewed in November and December 2021. So um, I will be focusing predominantly on on the North American data in, and insights, um, but we've also included some interesting comparisons as we'll, we'll see um, as we go through the slides. And there's some interesting comparisons that can be drawn between the European data and uh, North American data. Next slide, please. Thank you. And so 
we begin by diving straight into some really high level key stats, I guess, that will frame the narrative of the research findings. So um, we found that improving workforce safety is one of the top three most important priorities for organizations with 57% uh, reporting this. Um, yet, despite that importance, um, the vast majority, so 90% 90, 90 of respondents, report that their organisations have experienced at least one health and safety related incident in the last 12 months. And in terms of ESG, uh, almost all, so 97%, are experiencing challenges in this area. And as we'll see, database reporting and technology are among those, but that, that'll fall out as we go through the slides. Next slide, please. So looking a little deeper at that first statistic, so um, when we asked respondents what their organization's top three most important priorities are, improving the safety of their workforce is reported by the majority, uh, 57%, as I mentioned before. Um, interestingly, when we compare this to the European data, we find only that 34% of European respondents report this. So for North America, um, it appears that there seems to be a bit of a, a greater intention there, but it also perhaps highlights potentially a greater need as well, which will fall out of the data as we kind of go through. Um, and overall, it does seem like there's a much greater focus on safety uh, rather than the potentially holistic view of maybe health and safety in North American organizations, as we also see that worker well-being right down the end on the right hand side there is going to uh, considerably less likely to be uh, the most important priority uh, and quite a stark contrast actually um, in comparison to European organizations. Um, this potentially raises a question around how mental health and well-being at work uh, may be considered occupationally in North American organizations. And uh, finally on this slide, if we focus on the pattern of the teal bars here, um, there also appears to be a little bit of a skew towards certain organizational priorities for our North American respondents, uh, which we can see highlighted even further when we have that against the backdrop of the European data, which is a relatively flat distribution of percentages across the board from, uh, from Europe. Um, and we think this potentially highlights some key areas that respondents believe require potentially some initial focus and perhaps suggest a greater need for change in certain areas um, above others. Next slide, please. Um, however, uh, despite this greater priority for organizations in North America to improve the safety of their workforce, this isn't without its challenges. So in fact, when we asked uh, respondents which the following are among the main challenges their organization is currently experiencing in relation to health and safety, um, the findings indicate that organizations are experiencing, as you can see, a myriad of challenges um, with data reporting, implementing a culture of safety and incident prevention, the most likely, which we think potentially could be actually driving that prioritization need. And again, when placing this against the backdrop of the European data, uh, North American organizations are more likely to experience these challenges in comparison. Um, and data reporting in particular is an interesting one. So as we dig a little deeper into those findings, if you don't mind moving to the next slide, please. Thank you. Uh, we see that there is a lack of specifically designed technology and applications for the monitoring and the managing and the reporting on health and safety and ESG used within North American organizations. So 
here we asked respondents whether their organization uses tech or applications specifically designed for those tasks, so monitoring, managing and reporting on health and safety or ESG in these areas. And the results highlight, as you can see, um, areas such as training and risk management and sustainability are the most likely areas where it is used. Um, however, this kind of technology is much, much less likely to be used for incidents, which may be having a bit of a knock-on effect, as we will see in coming slides. Um, and also in certain areas, North American organizations are considerably lagging behind Europe in using these kinds of tech, um, particularly around occupational health, which is interesting, um, which may be due to this area, perhaps maybe more in its infancy in North America um, or any potential difference with how mental health and worker well-being are being reported as occupational issues, or I guess um, not reported, I guess, uh, between the two regions, as I, as I alluded to earlier. Next slide, please. Um, and then we asked those not using specific technology how their organization primarily approaches the monitoring, managing, and reporting on the various areas of health and safety in ESG. And we find that Excel actually is the main resource uh, used across the various areas, particularly for sustainability and audits and inspections. And in fact, we see that paper is also commonly resorted to. So that purple bar, um, second in from the left, on average reported by just under a third of respondents, which really is quite an interesting finding. Move to the next slide, please. We also asked respondents about the organization's health and safety performance indicators. So what percentage can be considered leading or lagging? And despite leading indicators, which are those that, um, as you guys probably already know, are proactive or preventative. Uh, so, for example, the percentage of safety inspections completed, um, those being more prevalent on average uh, and reported by more than half of our North, North American respondents. Move to the next slide, please. Uh, this doesn't seem to be helping in the prevention of health and safety related incidents. In fact, uh, we see that the vast majority, so that 90% there of respondents in North America report having experienced at least one incident in the last 12 months. Um, and as you can see, environmental incidents uh, are reported as the most common, uh, followed by property damage. Um, interestingly on this one, worker injury, illness or accidents are seemingly less prevalent uh, among North American organizations. And when placed against the backdrop of the European results really highlights a considerable difference between the two, um, which may be being influenced by potentially well-being related illnesses not being regarded as such in North America, um, as I touched on earlier. And finally, at the bottom, uh, near the bottom of that chart there, we also see that fewer near misses are seemingly experienced in North America, which is quite curious with the level of incidents that are reported. So um, this potentially raises the question whether maybe near misses are reported um, in North America. And, and I guess if not, whether there are opportunities for these kind of organizations to improve on reporting here. Um, and if those, uh, if they do improve on reporting, then whether this would enable better predictive ability for leading indicators to prevent future incidents. Next slide, please. Um, 
perhaps even more worryingly, um, having prior experience of the same incident doesn't appear to make a difference in terms of preventing incidents, uh, with many experiencing the same incident more than once. So here we see of those who experienced these health and safety incidents in the last 12 months, the percentage who experienced the same incident at least once in the past. Um, and despite the priority of in, uh, improving the safety of the workforce, as we, as I uh, alluded to right at the beginning, um, worker injury, illness or accident is most likely to have happened more than once, which is also considerably more so compared to, to Europe. Um, and this really perhaps suggests to us that this is the health and safety incident that organisations most need help with uh, preventing and the organisations in North America potentially are really struggling to tackle this problem. Uh, and these difficulties may be being compounded by the challenges they're facing in managing and reporting on the incidents that occur. So here we ask respondents which incident management or reporting difficulties that their organisation has experienced uh, when health and safety related incidents have occurred in the last 12 months. And then we ask which challenges they believe are contributing to uh, the difficulties they experience with health and safety managing, management when, and reporting. And we see that database challenges seem to be the most common. So time consuming searches for critical data in the different IT systems and extracting, formatting and submitting required data for regulatory reporting at the top there. Um, and the difficulties of keeping up with the latest regulatory requirements contributing to this, so 49% saying that. Um, However, we, we kind of think that there, within these challenges um, could lie some potential opportunities. So potentially focusing on simplifying data management, for example, could be an area that could help organizations prevent future incidents. Next slide, please. Let's pop to the next slide. Ooh, fabulous, thank you. Um, and now we are focusing specifically on ESG. So um, when we asked respondents which area of ESG is the highest priority in their organization, um, the results suggest that the priorities within ESG appear to be focused on, on the environmental area, uh, with almost half reporting this as their highest priority. So that teal section on the right-hand side pie, pie chart there. Um, and this could be being driven by perceived customer demand, um, as the vast majority believe that their organization's customers are now more interested than ever in what they're doing to limit their impacts on the environment. Um, and the sentiment is arguably likely to continue growing. However, as with health and safety, uh, challenges within ESG also appear uh, extremely common. So with almost all respondents of that 97%, they're saying that they are experiencing challenges in relation to ESG. Um, and we see this particularly around the measurement of impacts and performance. So um, almost half of respondents admit measuring ESG performance improvement metrics or ROI is a challenge followed by deriving the maximum sustainability impacts from, from the changes that they implement. So it seems that organizations are potentially finding it quite difficult to understand and measure the impacts of their improvement activity in this area. Next slide, thank you. Um, furthermore, we asked which of the following applications, not including Excel or Word, are their organizations currently using to track, manage, and report on ESG. 
perhaps unsurprisingly, considering the previous slide, applications used for tracking, managing and reporting on ESG don't appear to be particularly common, um, with only just over half of respondents reporting that they use the most commonly used application, so the ESG performance indicator data collection software at the top of the left hand side chart there. Additionally, if you look down the list, um, less than half report that they use the other applications. Um, and then if we just jump to the right hand side chart, which shows which applications of those that they're not using, um, do they believe that their organization would see the most benefit from? And it also appears that there's a lack of awareness of the potential benefits of implementing ESG applications, uh, with only a maximum of 34% of those not using the applications, believing that they would see the most benefit if it were implemented. Um, and the challenges experienced by organizations may be being compounded by the confidence levels felt um, around data collection accuracy and the compliance with ESG regulations. So only around four in 10 respondents are very confident in the accuracy of their organization's collection of ESG data, while just over half report a similar level of confidence in their compliance with all ESG regulations, which is quite an interesting and potentially worrying statistic there on the right. And finally, so amongst the, I guess, the challenges, the lack of software used for tracking, managing and reporting and the low levels of confidence of data collection, accuracy and regulation compliance, there does seem to be an awareness of the importance of ESG. So here we see that the vast majority are aware of its importance and the negative impact if they don't improve performance in this area, with 82% believing that if their organization does not improve its ESG performance, uh, that their brand and market reputation will be negatively impacted. Um, while we see a similar proportion, so 81%, admitting that if they don't improve their ESG performance, it will impact their ability to win new business. And finally, challenges they face um, may also be evolving. So we see that a 78% believe keeping up with compliance regulations is quickly becoming their biggest challenge. Um, and this brings us to the end of our presentation. So I'll now hand over to John, who will discuss ESG and the new valuation to safety and health. Thanks, Vern. Uh, very happy to be here with you all and, and, and glad to talk to you about this. And I think the results that you found, uh, Fern and, and Scott, in the survey that was commissioned by Intellects um, resonate quite well with uh, some of the things that the National Safety Council has been seeing in our own research on this topic. Um, so excited to, to dovetail into that. Um, so I'm John Doney. I'm, I'm VP of Workplace Strategy at NSC. Uh, I think we all probably know a little bit about NSC, considering the nature of this webinar and the fact that it's hosted by, by Safety and Health, uh, our, our publication at NSC. Uh, but I'll share on the next slide just a little bit about, uh, about who we are uh, for, for, um, for reference uh, there. Um, you can see a little bit about our, our history here. We're, we're, we've been around since 1913, so closing in on 110 years of safety leadership uh, with about 15,000 member companies that represent roughly 7 million workers uh, in the United States and globally. Uh, of course, we reach uh, many more uh, professionals and workers through, uh, through our networks and through various activities that we carry on. And our mission is to eliminate the leading causes of preventable death and injuries so that people can live their fullest lives 
and you can see that sort of framed another way that that we're all about saving lives from the workplace to any place that that you may be. Um, we do focus our efforts in three major areas: the workplace, uh, the, the roadways and transportation, and then an impairment, which cuts across the other two uh, domains and covers everything from fatigue to substance misuse to uh, to distraction. So lots under the hood there that that we work on. Um, so you may be wondering why NSC is is looking at ESG and and what our engagement in this topic is. Well, on the next slide, I'll, I'll share a little bit about, you know, one of the things that distinguishes NSE uh, as, as an entity, and that's that we are really all about following the data. So, you know, from, from the time we first uh, launched the organization uh, in at the turn of the century, uh, you know, to now, we have consistently looked at where injury, illness, and death are occurring in the United States and in the world, and we've gone after the things that uh, that, that peel back from that and that can affect those issues. Um, what you see here is an, a great example of the way in which we follow the data. It's sort of the history of our injury facts publication, which is our primary source of, of reference material on injury and illness data, fatality data. It's been published continuously since 1921. You can see the first uh, publication there on the on the left side. Um, nowadays, we publish it uh, online on, on an online portal. It's freely available. It's updated uh, weekly basis with new information and data as it becomes uh, relevant and available. So much improved from waiting a year to, to see the new things that you want to see. Uh, so really excited by that. Um, and, and as we've been on that journey, you know, we, we've looked at that data and, you know, while the topic itself of ESG has not necessarily crept into the, the data itself that we're seeing, we certainly have been following the conversation around ESG, the level of importance and attention that it's receiving as it's sort of arced out of sustainability and into the, the investment community. Um, so as we look at the data, we don't just look at the injury and illness data, but we look at the trends and the, the kind of forecast lines and where attention is going. And, uh, you know, we've been engaging in topics surrounding ESG and environmental and sustainability for at least the past 10, 12 years, uh, if not longer. Uh, I've been with the organization about 14 years, coming up on 15 uh, in about a month. And for virtually as long as I've been here, we have had this on the radar in some form or fashion. Um, so I know we've already talked pretty extensively about some of the findings uh, from, from the Intellects Commissioned uh, study, um, but maybe just to take one step back on our on our front here, uh, on our next slide, I just want to unpack, you know, when, when NSC thinks about ESG, you know, we break it down into our component, into the component, uh, com, you know, pillars here of environmental, social, and governance. And, you know, I think we all can pretty well recognize the things that are under the hood of environmental. These are things that uh, many of our colleagues and stakeholders on the environmental side of our safety and health systems uh, work to 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 address uh, every day, uh, and these have lo long been parts of the sustainability conversation. Um, the the S pillar or social pillar and the governance pillar of ESG are kind of the two newer uh, elements of the conversation, um, and you can see that the social pillar, you know, obviously carries a lot of weight on many topics, including ethics and child labor and and all sorts of other things, supply chain, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Uh, but health and safety very much a part of that discussion, and that's where we're centering our work. Uh, a lot of the conversation around there has taken on this, this framing of people sustainability or human capital as ways to, to talk about the engagement of safety and health with ESG, so we've been kind of leveraging and engaging in that language. Uh, and then on the government side, I think this, you know, we also have a role here when we look at, you know, business ethics compliance and board engagement in some of these topics, because uh, very frequently as we engage with organizations, you know, th their boards care deeply about safety and health and, uh, you know, may have governance structures that that address that. Um, similarly, we, we see some of that same uh, you know, thing happening on the ESG and sustainability side. So we think that there's a big role for us here in the governance conversation as well, perhaps not as big as the as the role that there is in the social pillar. 
Um, so although we you know, now have a pretty good centering on where safety and health show up in ESG and, and why we're here at this table, I'd say there's still quite a bit of confusion on this topic, and it hasn't always been something uh, that, that everyone agrees with or thinks is, a, is something critical to safety and health work. Um, in fact, on our next slide, I want to share a little bit about what we saw uh, when we first started engaging in this topic. And what you see here is a white paper that NSC published through the Campbell Institute uh, back in about 2012 or so, maybe 2013. Uh, and it was one of our first outputs looking at sustainability and safety. And it was, it was looking at ways in which the two intersected and in which uh, safety and health and, and sustainability leaders could begin to pair up. And when we when we published that white paper, we did a number of things behind the behind the scenes on the research side. But we also held an event uh, that focused on this topic at the NSC Congress and Expo that year. And what you see uh, here in the bubbles are really examples of statements that were made to me uh, in our feedback forms and in in person uh, when we held this event. And you know, back then there was a there was a wide uh, kind of concern that we were talking about something that wasn't as relevant uh, to the audience. That um, this whole conversation was sort of taking air out of the room when it came to the core issues of safety and health, that it was a topic that would that would be a buzzword and it was going to go away, you know, just like everything else had, had come and gone. Um, and, and I understand why we, why we faced that feedback. I think it was, you know, it was an experiment to talk about something that was a little bit out of people's comfort zones. Um, but, you know, that, that those conversations that I had um, at the time really began to be mirrored by a lot of folks in the profession, I think. And, and we spent a number of years in the kind of early days of sustainability, and I'm talking about sort of the early 2010s, perhaps, is, is sort of the window here up, up to about 2015, 2016, um, where we were we were heavily focused on other issues as a profession. We were focused on the emergence of the science around serious injury and fatality prevention, on human organizational performance, on uh, kind of safety culture and zero and these sorts of concepts. And and, um, you know, I think we we took our eye a little bit off the ball of sustainability um, as a profession, generally speaking. Now, we engaged in it, certainly. Um, but in the interim, while we were sort of maybe pushing back on it a little bit or understanding how it how it was uh, poised to emerge, uh, a lot happened in the background. Um, and, and in a more, um, you know, built out version of this presentation, I'd share a whole lot of factors that changed over those over those uh, five to 10 years, um, including demographic changes and the rise of millennials and Gen Z in, in the workforce. Um, but maybe more so in terms of what you what you realistically see every day in this conversation. On the next slide, uh, I, I'll show our uh, the massive proliferation um, that we've experienced in the the rise of ESG and sustainability frame, framework schema reporting structures, etc. And it's a it's a wide and diverse uh, landscape nowadays. Um, you know, dozens of organizations in this space. Uh, and I, I break it up a little bit here into some buckets of ways that you can think about this. There's organizations that, you know, they're in this to provide a, a framework that they believe is valid for disclosure. Uh, they don't actually do any evaluation, but they provide the, the way in which we, we report um, that the things that we report. Um, other organizations actively request information from uh, from organizations and aggregate it and then rate organizations based on their responses. Um, still others will passively pull that information from existing sources, from your sustainability and ESG reports, from your websites, from publicly available data, and then they'll rate you as well without even maybe consulting you and asking you any questions. 
Uh, and then there's even others who will purchase data from the, these organizations, and then they'll, um, you know, they'll look at the existing rating schemes and they'll add even more uh, to the to the pot um, to better highlight certain issues that they maybe um, care about, um, to, you know, more directly than others. You know, whether that's reputation or whether that's um, corporate citizenship or ethics or what have you. So, um, just a massive um, range of frameworks and reporting schema now out there. Um, the other chart that I'll share next is, is a kind of concurrent rise that we've seen in the investment community interest in uh, in ESGs. So um, this is a this is a, um, a visualization of the amount of um, assets in U.S. dollars. Uh, as well as the number of signatories to PRI, which is the Principles for Responsible Investment, just one of the mechanisms that you could consider as, as you know, signifying that an organization cares about ESG. Um, and you can see the, the relatively rapid rise of those numbers, you know, from, from no signatories to almost 3,500, um, you know, from, from zero, uh, you know, billion under uh, assets under management to, you know, nearing on, you know, over $100 billion of assets under management under PRI principles. Um, and that number has continued Continue to rise pretty meteorically over the past couple of years. So the investment community is driving a lot of this conversation. Uh, the frameworks that are out there are driving a lot of the conversation and demographic change has, has also had an impact. So in that decade, uh, we've been doing a lot of well-intentioned work, um, but there's been a, this whole separate set of work going on in the, on this front that we've been a little bit isolated from. So um, much like um, intellects, uh, we uh, decided to to study the current state of, of uh, this this sort of position uh, of ESG and EHS and safety and health uh, in 2022, and we commissioned a survey as well jointly with Aveda. And on the next slide, you can see a little bit about that survey. About 750 respondents, um, mostly in the safety and health or ESG leadership role, director, VP, chief sustainability or safety officer type respondents, and we focused on broad ESG practices challenges and more particularly, the role of safety and health in ESG. And this was intended to be a baseline uh, of information for further action to come. Uh, and I have just a few slides that I pulled out here from the, the very large presentation deck that we have and information. This is all uh, available for you to download on the NSC website or the Aveto website. Um, they have three key finding charts here that I'd like to share with you briefly. Um, on the first one, you'll see our look at, at how organizations have positioned the role of safety and health in ESG. And, and what you can kind of see is that, you know, the the vast majority, 85% of our of our polling base, um, have some level of involvement from safety and health in execution of their ESG strategy. I think that's a that's a great thing. Um, the the you know, but but I think if we look at it in a little bit more detail on the right there, you can see you know a little bit more nuance of what the exact role of safety and health is in ESG. And you know, about a quarter of organizations uh, of that 85% you know, said that, that, you know, safety and health is a key partner or stakeholder in ESG, um, whereas the others maybe looked at it in a more narrow um, kind of kind of concept here, that they were only responsible for EHS or employee safety and health, that they were responsible for the social pillar or for human capital or well-being or for execution of some of these particular elements. Um, so while I think it's great to see a finding that there's a there's a big focus of, of, of acknowledgement that, that safety and health has a role in ESG strategy, the actual way in which safety and health stakeholders are showing up in there is maybe not as prominent as we would always like. Uh, so it's just a finding that we we anticipated seeing and one that was was born out of it in, in the, the results that we saw. 
Um, so I think we have some more to do there in terms of the positioning. You know, we, we abdicated our seat a little bit at that table uh, in some ways a decade ago, and, and now we're, we're playing some catch up. So this, this sort of makes sense to me. Um, on the next slide, you can see uh, a little bit more about, um, you know, from a metric side or reporting side, um, our organizations actually including these metrics in uh, their ESG reporting. And again, as we sort of anticipated, the majority, 71%, do include um, these metrics in their uh, safety and health metrics in their ESG targets and in their reporting. Um, you know, a little bit alarming that 15% weren't sure because that should be fairly easily verifiable and I think shows a, a you know, maybe a lack of, you know, lack of um, consistency or, or information on what organizations are doing. Um, but the the takeaway I, I'd like to, to kind of call out here is that, you know, I think it's good news that there's 70% of, of employee of, 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 work, of organizations reporting these uh, these metrics. But the types of metrics that they're reporting tend to be ones that we know are very low-hanging fruit uh, and not great representations of actual safety capacity or performance uh, in the field. So you'll see total recordable rates, starts, lost time, incident rates, these sorts of lagging metrics. Very easy to get your arms around, commonly tracked, understandable. It's not a surprise that these are the metrics that we're seeing. However, I think we know that there are better ways to visualize or understand. If the, if the goal is to understand actual safety, uh, ability, capacity, presence of defenses, um, you know, we should probably be looking at different metrics here. Um, so I think we have some work to do in advancing the sorts of things we're looking at, um, if only to differentiate, um, you know, ourselves from others when it comes to the investment community, right? I mean, that's the core reason that. ESG sprung up. And I think if nothing else, we could position our performance levels and our metrics better to differentiate ourselves in those portfolios. The real reason I think we want to do it is for the is for the right reason, which is these are the metrics we believe are important. This is what we're going to, you know, this is what's driving our performance and this is what we're going to report on. Um, but we also know that, you know, they're not always the, most, the easiest to explain and then they're not always consistent with what organizations are looking to track or see. So um, lots of challenges here, I think, is, is a short takeaway. Uh, on the final takeaway slide um, from the report, I'd like to, sh to just share, you know, here's here's where we're seeing um, a little bit more nuance on the day-to-day -day role of safety and health leaders in ESG. And, you know, you can see that, again, much like that earlier slide, we really only have about 16% of organizations that we studied saying that, that safety and health leaders are in a decision-making seat when it comes to some of these things. And in most cases, they're only providing guidance, they're perhaps doing training and workforce management, or they're executing on strategies that have been defined up and above them. So, you know, again, I think positionally, it's good to see the involvement. I think we have some maturing to do on, on exactly how we show up and, and where we're involved. Um, so I'd just like to close very briefly with a couple of uh, final slides here uh, that point toward that new valuation of safety and health component. And, and, and one thing that I would say is when, when we think about the way we, we, we talk about ourselves in 2022, I, I, would, I would suggest that we need to talk about ourselves a little bit differently than we have in the past. And, and when we think about the value and the way we engage with safety and health, um, we can uh, go through all the animations on this chart because I know I think I put in five different animations on there. Um, but there, there, are, there are some key topics that I think we can rally around that are relevant to the ESG community that are super relevant to us as well. And so this is just a short list of five areas where I think, you know, if, if nothing else, we can engage really deeply on human and social capital. We can engage on materiality processes in ESG and sustainability because they're very similar to our risk assessment and hazard identification processes. 
we can engage in supply chain, we can get, engage in investor engagement and reporting and measurement, certainly, which we're asked to do every day. Um, there are other issues that I think are relevant that are more core safety and health material issues to us that I, I saved uh, from this from this uh, from this uh, to the extended version of this chart deck. But um, my, my point here is, is that we could do worse than to start with speaking their language and helping them understand how we show up in these five spaces. And as we do that, on my final chart here, you know, I, I, we're, we're all familiar with this iceberg model. Um, actually, I may, may have been cut out of the last deck, but I, I put I put up a, a bit, an image of, a, of an iceberg here. We're all familiar. There, there we go. All familiar with, with the iceberg model of incident cost and safety and health um, productivity and cost here, um, where, you know, we believe we can visualize just a small percentage of the actual value we add to our organizations and that the bulk of it is underneath that waterline, right? I think we're all familiar with those studies, those models. They haven't been massively updated in probably about 50 years, right? And they're very hard. It's very hard to come at that data. But right now where NSC is engaged is in is in trying to position a new value and new valuation of safety and health for 2022 that is in response to in part ESG, but is also in response to all those other things I mentioned, demographic change, the, the massive new ways of thinking around SIF and HOP and human performance and the way the, the brain's wired, um, well-being, mental health, psychological safety, all all these other issues that have risen to the fore, um, you know, in the past five, 10 years are ones we haven't well grappled with when we talk about our value and, and valuation and how we show up. So uh, we're, we're in the weeds of that research right now. And we expect to have some outputs for uh, for a wider audience in uh, in the summer. So looking forward to that. But um wanted to share an update on where we were. And I'm really thankful for uh, the chance to share what we're doing here and, and really excited to see it aligning with what others uh, are doing in the field, because we need this data you know, now to be able to make some sound decisions about where we go for the future. So um, thank you all for the time and attention. Uh, looking forward to the Q&A and discussion from here. Wow, thanks, John. I uh, I really appreciate that. Uh, if if you're on the call, and I know there's a lot of us on this call, uh, there probably has to be this feeling of, wow, this is drinking from a fire hose, right? It's There's a lot of information to unpack. And when John and Fern and I talked about this particular webinar, this could be a three-hour or a four-hour webinar. And, and I promise you that we'll peel this onion, right? We'll, we'll be doing a lot of different things with the data. So just stay tuned for, for further webinars and, and events like this. I'll just kind of leave this up there for just a second, just if you want to take a shot of it with your, uh, with your phone or copy down that address. Uh, you'll get a lot more information that you can actually sit down with and uh and study that may be a, a big help to you uh or you know certainly link in with me and i'll get you the information that you're looking for uh, in regards to the report so we uh we absolutely want you to be able to to take some time you know with the information to understand it and uh i i like i say i've been really excited and when you uh, look at what john has done with the national safety council and what fern has done for us it's just been a very positive uh you know output of of how we're looking at data differently i'm just going to summarize some things you know as i listen to to john and fern today uh, i'll just make some summary statements and the, the first would be in, in health and safety and I'll, I'll talk from that big purple box there that you see on the left side of your chart you know while we are improving workplace safety one of the top priorities you know over half of those that answered those survey questions delivering on that objective has been really lackluster and when you hear things like uh, incident prevention you know still needing to be the focus 
uh, of of what we do you know there's some some really challenges you know that we've not been able to solve and and i've been speaking quite a lot at conferences and, and writing a lot of technical white papers on using technology now you know we're seeing a lot of technology advances in our space that really has been uh, quite a uh, uh, a way to overcome some of those nominal challenges that we have had in the past where they've just been resident. We've not been able to uh, uh, to deal with them. And now some of the technology advances certainly has been, um, you know, in our favor of being able to really overcome them. Data reporting is uh, still a, a big challenge for us. We still talk with a lot of professionals that have very fragmented systems. I remember this, you know, when I started a long time ago, Right. I, I had it on just about every Microsoft product there was, you know, everything from Word to Excel to Access. And, and some of you are still dealing with that. Uh, I think it's only going to become more of a challenge as the organizations get faster. I think one of the, the other things I would tell you to watch out for is that as technology advances, especially in these areas of machine learning and artificial intelligence, you, you can believe that your organization is going to get faster from a service or an operational side of things. So you're going to really need to, uh, to press forward very aggressively in how you meet, you know, those challenges. And, you know, as you've heard data is king you know and understanding what our uh, our strategy and objectives are going to be or what they'll need to be i think you know most believe that a high level of health and safety maturity will lead to a to a competitive uh difference in, in the workplace and i think that's easy to understand but when you started looking at some of those those numbers around you know why we we look at things differently in north america versus some of our european colleagues you know i i think mental health happens to be one of those uh, where they have enacted you know legislation and we fall behind that it doesn't mean that we shouldn't step forward right to learn what is going very well uh, from our European colleagues, our EMEA colleagues, and pull that back into North America. So I, I would say that look for where maturity resides, right, and then bring that back and, and certainly employ it in your organization. And then desire is not translated into action. For a lot of our respondents, when they were stating the autonomy and the investment to implement uh, health and safety programs, and I think John really did a nice job of uh, of saying that is that you know we need to really position ourselves with a seat at the table uh, no longer are we just simply a functional support organization we are a part of the business strategy for the companies that we work for uh, when i look at culture and engagement i'll just make a couple of comments about this because i know we're running out of time is that you know I, I, those those three bullets you know despite creating safety culture as a top challenge uh, in the next 12 months, it's still second place to improving their, their safety culture, right? So when I think about that, um, does the C-suite understand really what we are to do? Uh, do we have our processes uh, aligned very effectively? Are they communicated? And one of the things that I think really surprised me is in the last 12 months, only 4% of the incidents reported our near misses. And, and for most of us, that's where our work begins, right? It's compliance and it's understanding where we have those issues on machine floors or, or on in service organizations on the service floor where things, right, have not yet passed the threshold where we're experiencing loss. 
but getting close to that. So if you don't have a near miss program, I call them concerns programs, right? But you really do need to understand that information if you're going to get ahead of where loss occurs. So really important part of embracing culture, of really enforcing or leveraging this culture that you really care about. And it does show that we care when we take errors or these barriers out of the work system before loss occurs. So, so lots of stuff to do there, but culture happens to be one of those areas that I feel you know, really uh, passionate about because that is usually the, the difference between going from good to great, you know, where we're sending everyone home safe and healthy back to their families. So, so understand that a lot of information on that slide, but I hope you'll, you'll take time to, to think about that. ESG, I'll just say, you know, protecting our planet and, and the future generations has really grabbed a lot of, of spotlight. I see if, if you're a safety and health professional, I, I think John did a really great job is that we're not going to wiggle away from this. You know, we are a part of that social pillar within ESG. So we've got a lot of work there to do. And I think it will require us to do more than simply giving away data, right? Putting data into a database. I think we're going to have to think about this more holistically and what our roles are. But think about it this way. I, I was talking with a colleague and he had these questions that John really kind of represented very well. You know, we don't really know, you know, we're, 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 we're quite lost when it comes to ESG. But I, I spoke to a colleague. I said, well, think about it this way. This is going to become your very public report card and how others think about you. You know, so almost like a heat map will be compared but within our industry, right? If you're running a paper business like I did for a long time, I'll be compared with how my competitors are doing when it comes to these three pillars. I'll also go very vertical, right? And I'll go very horizontal. So I'll go outside of my industry and I'll be compared to those that I should be benchmarking with, right? So if you're in the electronics business, I may need right to look at you so think about it that way and though it's not a, it's a non-financial disclosure right we're, we're still keeping data that investors will use to invest in us so it really really is important for you to really embrace this to understand it and then understand it especially for us uh, an environment and a health and safety side of the business and then really position yourself to provide leadership to your organization so again lots of stuff there technology i'll just say a couple of things here is that um, 59% use separate systems, you know, or very basic software for, for health and safety management, 55 for ESG. Uh, I think that has to change again as we get much, much faster in operations. You'll need to, to really kind of pivot. And I think it's more than buying source solutions, which is what I did. One of the reasons that I left practice of EHS and came to a technology company is to influence what we do, right? Is to build out management systems because that is really where I struggled as a practitioner of being able to connect information. That's only gonna become more, more apparent to you as the need you know, for you to get better in that particular part of, of, of working your management systems. So think about those things, you know, as I kind of close out with, with some highlights. And then, you know, um, I'm not going to share too much about this. 
I think Fern did a really nice job. But understand this, the, the three top applications in North America happen to be training management, risk management, and sustainability. In EMEA, risk management, sustainability, and occupational health. And I think you really understand that now, right, as, as we kind of shared information. Uh, I'm glad that we're spending more time training, you know, our folks. I, I really weight that very heavy. And, uh, and how I've managed programs in the past. And I am really super glad to see us using software and technology to do a better job of risk management. That is exactly where I would have hoped you know, that we would have been in, in North America. So uh, different maturities when you look uh, across the pond, you know, so to speak. But I think that, um, yeah, we've got a lot of work to do still. All right, so I ran us, Gosh, we don't have much time left, but for the time we have left, I'll ask Fern and John to come back on camera, and we're glad to take questions that you may have. Well, thank you so much to you all for sharing your insights with us. And before we start the Q&A, we want to remind everyone of the evaluation survey we're asking you to complete. The survey will open in a different screen after this webinar. Just, to, just so you know, your input is important because it does help us improve our future webcast. And as a reminder for our attendees, if you'd like to ask a question, feel free to click the Q&A button at the bottom of your screen. Um, and as a reminder, if we don't get to your question, all, answered, all unanswered questions will be forwarded to our uh, sponsor. Uh, so our first question, uh, what are organizations seeing the most success with when it comes to health and safety in ESG? I'm not quite sure who's supposed to answer these. I'll just go ahead and say what we see, you know, with our clients and when, when, what we usually see with the most work, especially trying to embrace technology and, and, and leveraging technology are, are what I would say are, are, are heavy industrial clients, you know, oil and gas, chemical companies, uh, those that would, would pose most risk you know, to employees that are working with them, heavy manufacturing, dirty industries. Uh, we do see quite a lot of this, though, in, in food and beverage, which are, of course, in, enforced by different parts of the regulation. So th that's that's what we see. John or Fern is. Yeah, I was going to say, I, you know, I, I see a lot of engagement in these topics, similarly by those who have high risk profiles, those who are larger in general. Um, but your, to your point, Scott, around the, the retail industry, food and beverage, um, that's where the supply chain aspect of this really comes into play, because a lot of times they're being, you know, you, they may be mid chain uh, for a larger company like a Starbucks, for instance, or, you know, you name it, who has really stringent both health and safety requirements, as well as increasingly ESG and, and, and procurement requirements. So, you know, we see that happen if you're in a midstream B2B type type relationship as well. So I think it, it, it tends to be, we tend to see it more in the, in the mid to high maturity space or in the larger public facing company space, but it really depends on, on industry segment as well and what level of attention is being paid to that. Also, another uh, toss up for you all. Um, how do you develop a global approach to ESG if your company is based in different regions and countries? 
Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give a shot at that one. That's a that's a tough one. I mean, much like yeah. the, much like I'd say for safety and health, uh, I think the, an organization needs to pick sort of a system or metric of record um, to adhere to, and that maybe it can be above and beyond any particular regional or or country uh, basis. You know, a lot of organizations who are domestically based in North America will choose to you know use OSHA standards for reporting and recording and for the way that they structure the way they think about things. Um, but I think. Um, for ESG, the complexity is obviously in certain parts of the world, particularly Europe, um, the, the complexity and comprehensive nature of legislation there or things that are being required are probably going to blow out of the water anything you would be doing in the U.S. So you then need to sort of use that as your, your starting point, your gold standard and work backwards from that. So really, you know, to me, it starts with understanding where I have to do the most. And then, you know, understanding, believe, if I believe that's right or wrong, I can maybe make some play with plays with that. But I think it starts with understanding where you where the ceiling's highest and working from there uh, across your entire enterprise. Yeah, I, I don't have much more to add on that. I mean, I, I think a lot of us, uh, us, for example, you know, intellects, uh, we're now an equity partner with a company called Data Moran, you know, that not only gives consultation, right, but collects data in the areas that we believe are, are very important. So, so far, I think everyone's aligned, maybe from the data migration point of view, but I, I think John's right. I think it's it's understanding regulation, it's understanding geographic differences, right, of what the requirements are. And if I, I've probably said this a million times in my career, understand what your management system is and understanding what data really drives that management system to go forward. And I usually marry them both, right, between compliance, regulatory compliance, and, and then a management system, you're usually driving in the right direction for the information that you you know you're going to need. But I, I think John's exactly right, you know, on this. It looks like we have time for about one more question. I'll, I'll throw out another toss-up question. Uh, what is the best practice for where ESG should live within an org structure? That's a million-dollar question. That's another. Well, these are hard questions. I mean, what what I'm seeing, you know, is is that I, I've been an, an environmental health and safety executive for a long, long time. I'm actually being asked, you know, headhunters call quite often, you know, to take their place because they've moved on to a new position for ESG. So we're seeing, especially big clients, you know, that we have that they they have designated this. It's the the new sustainability position, right? But they've they've expanded that to ESG. Uh, so we're seeing a lot of folks doing doing it just that way. I think for mid level, you know, we're, we have a lot of mid level clients. A lot of this work is coming back to uh, to EHS professionals because we know more about well management systems and environmental health and safety, right? Which are two pillars of that legs. So we're we're just seeing it all all over the board right now. I think John said it very well. We're still learning this as we go. I think Fortune 500 companies they're learning it faster, but we're seeing a lot of interest in mid level, uh, which generates a lot of a lot of calls, you know, for me to try to figure it out with them, John. Turn, no, uh, yeah, I think you're. I think you're spot on. I wouldn't say there's best practice at this point. It's more about you know organizations are trying and and being successful or failing right now with how they structure this stuff. And I've I've yeah. seen virtually every flavor of it under the sun at this point in terms of where it fits in an organization. So I think the jury's out on that on that answer at this point. Well, thank you all so much. Unfortunately, we have run out of time today. We'd like to thank Scott Gaddis, John Doney. Fern Beauchamp, the entire team from our sponsor, Intellects, and of course, all of you who joined us today. Take care and have a safe day.